mainly state, well, I've only stayed in the New Testament. We've walked through uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter in the New Testament. And, uh, but I wanted to jump here tonight, just felt like it was a good place to go. And Psalm is a book of exaltation to the Lord. It's a work, it's a work book on praise and, and worship and prayer. Um, anybody read all the, all the Psalm? That's all right, good. Um, Proverbs, its uh, neighbor is the handbook on wisdom, but Psalms is a workbook on worship. And it's the hymn book of the Bible, as some would say. And, and Psalm literally means this in Hebrew. It means praises. Everyone say praises. All right. And the thing about praise and the thing about worship is it deals with every spectrum of human emotions. Right? Uh, there's, there, are, there are scriptures uh, in Psalm that say, uh, shout with the voice of triumph and, and shout with joy, right? So, so when we say shout with joy, we're talking about being on the high end of the spectrum of emotions, right? Being excited. There's also, it, it also says, you know, to seek the Lord in reverence. And there's times where we may be quiet with the Lord. And there's times where we may not be as joyous. But there are times in Psalms where even David, he cried out to God emotionally uh, and from a low point. And so... Uh, Psalms kind of covers that whole spectrum, and if you want to break it down, this is just knowledge for you if you want to do this. Psalms is actually five books in one. Um, uh, if you are a note taker, you can, you can write that down. And the first book is Psalms uh, chapter 1 all the way through uh, chapter 41, and it basically talks, I mean, just kind of give you a rough, just a, an overall view of it. It's, I mean, there's obviously a little bit of everything in all these books, but it mainly talks about being a blessed man or woman, and, and then Psalms 42 through 72 talks about deliverance, uh, and then Psalms 73 through 89 talks about the sanctuary of God, and Psalms 90 through 106, it talks about wandering in the wilderness, Psalms 107 through 150, it talks about coming home or the promised land. So why did you say all that, TJ? Well, parenthetically, uh, this book... It, it basically follows the same sequence as Genesis, which is, talks about the blessed man, deliverance, uh, talking about Exodus coming out of exile, uh, sanctuary, talking about Leviticus and learning the law of God, uh, wandering in the wilderness, numbers, and then uh, finally with Deuteronomy coming into the promised land. And so uh, they kind of parenthetically, they, they kind of stay in that sequence. David was the primary writer of Psalms, and he wrote, we know, 73 of the psalm, possibly 12 more. Uh, the sons of Korah wrote 11 psalms. Uh, Asaph wrote 11. Uh, Hezekiah wrote two. Moses, He-Man, I didn't even know He-Man wrote one. That's for my 80s people. Some of you guys are with me. Uh, uh, Moses, He-Man, and Solomon, and Ethan all wrote one. And there are about 50 psalms that are orphan psalms. They don't specifically say who the writer is. And some people say David may have wrote uh, many of those. So um, the wisdom psalm, we're going to be looking at the first psalm in, in the book. And this is a wisdom psalm. And it has no stated author. Uh, but I can tell you this. And I, I read this out of a, uh, when I was studying for this. And I just, I'm going to read it just straight line for line out of a, out of a um, uh, one of my study Bibles that I had. And I just, I thought this was great. This is a wisdom psalm, and it has no stated author. It's like a beacon of light piercing 
the darkness of a stormy night. Anybody ever been in a stormy night where all you had was a light, all right? A little bit of light can go a long way. So, well, this is they, uh, this, this uh, uh, Bible that I was talking about, it, it talks about this. It, illumin- it illuminates and it points to the truth. How many know that we need to know the truth of God's word? Amen. Uh, and it even points to the falsehoods of our culture and uh, that may cloud our vision. The psalm, this psalm clearly affirms that there is one way to true life and to foolishly ignore it. Its truth is to accept death. That's pretty straightforward, right? And I, I thought we would start right there. So if you need a, if you need a subheading at the beginning of this, it's, uh, you, can, you can basically break this psalm down into this, the righteous and the wicked. Everyone say the righteous and the wicked. All right. Verse 1 says this. Blessed. Everyone say blessed. All right. So this psalm starts with a blessing. You knew I wouldn't get very far without stopping, right? Uh, it starts with a blessing. And this is the same words that Jesus would use on the Sermon of the Mount, right? Same words. Blessed, right? And uh, blessed means this. It means this. Oh, how happy or happy is. So if you wanted to take that word out, you could say happy is. Happy is. Or oh, how happy someone is. So uh, why does this psalm begin in this way and the, and the Sermon on the Mount? May I suggest it's truly the Lord's intent for you and me to be blessed and to be happy. Amen. All right, you guys with me? Look at this, Matthew 7, uh, 11, it says this, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to bless you. How many want to bless your kids in here? All right? How many would, would love, if you had the ability to give your kids whatever, they, whatever you could and money wasn't an, uh, uh, you know, wasn't an issue, how many would do it for your kids? The Lord wants to bless you. The Lord wants to, to bless his kids. He wants to see them happy. He, he doesn't want to see them depressed. He doesn't want to see them sad. So, but how much, how much more our Father in heaven, he desires for us to, to be deeply blessed and truly happy. And notice this, the writer doesn't tell us how to attain happiness. Okay, he just says blessed. Why? If a person is in a relationship with God, listen, if a person is in a relationship with God, the results are happiness and joy. That's it. He doesn't tell you how to attain it. He just, he just, he just straightforward. And there's blessing and there's peace. They are included in being in a relationship with God. It's like when I go to McDonald's and I go up to the drive-thru and I say, I want a number one. That means that I'm getting a Big Mac and guess what I get extra with it? I get French fries and a drink. They're included. So when we get in this relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? The benefits of this relationship with Jesus Christ are happiness, joy, peace, and a blessed life. All right. Amen. Are you guys with me? All right. Um, and, and if a person is, is in a relationship with God, the results are happiness, joy, and a blessing of peace. Because these things oftentimes in our life and can be eroded. Situations happen. Um, um, Instead of, uh, the writer tells us instead of how to attain this, he tells us uh, what we should avoid. I, I, really like, I really like the way that this, this psalm is really so, so it says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. 
Point number one, this is what you, what you should not do, okay? Um, the next three lines of this, of this verse are a sequence or a picture of how sin works in our lives. It really is. I mean, if you could take anything out of this psalm, the next three lines are super important. The Hebrew word here, uh, it says, a blessed is the man. The Hebrew word for man in this context literally means person. So that includes everybody, okay? Person. The blessed, uh, the blessed man uh, doesn't get counsel from the ungodly or people who do not know of God. Pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, whether it's from an individual or a group or a culture uh, in general, uh, this is telling us blessed, or blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Somebody who doesn't, who doesn't believe and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You ought to be careful where you take counsel from. Because some people don't see things through a spiritual lens. They see them through their physical lens. And there's been times in my life where I've taken advice from people who don't see things through their spiritual lens that have got me in trouble because I opened up myself to something that I shouldn't have. So look at this. So uh, we often start to stray from God when we start listening to the wrong voices, whether it be our own thoughts or, our, uh, or of someone else. You know, here's the thing. The way that we learn of the counsel of the wicked is we start listening. How many times should we just, there's certain things. Man, maybe I should just turn this radio program off. Or maybe I should shut my coworker down because I really don't need to hear that right now. And such counsel will rob blessing and erode happiness, so we ought not walk with those who give wicked counsel. So walking with such people will lead to the next step. So here's the next step. Uh, nor stands in the way of sinners. So we went from walking to standing. Walking to standing. Uh, and, and I, for the longest time, I thought this meant that you just stood in the way. Anybody ever been in a crowded hallway in high school and someone just stops and everyone's trying to walk past? It, it's kind of annoying, right? Uh, but it, that's not what it means. But rather, when we walk in the counsel of the ungodly, we will soon be stopped in our tracks. So look at the blessed person. Soon to be uh, unblessed is going from movement to no movement. Anybody ever been around stagnant water? Stagnant water, the reason it's stagnant is because it's not moving. There's no movement to it. And so stagnant water is stale and it, and it, it oftentimes stinks and there's, there's, just, there's no life in it. And no one likes a stale Christian, right? I don't, I don't want to be around stale Christians. I want to be around someone who's vibrant and alive and full of joy and full of peace. And here's the thing. As believers, you know, if we aren't careful, if you find yourself uh, where, you, where you're walking with the counsel of the wicked, and then the next thing you know, you realize you've stopped there in the, and you're standing with sinners, guess what? You better check yourself before you wreck yourself because you're not on a good path. It's interesting to me. I was looking at this. There's a lake out in California called Mono Lake, and and it's it it streams uh, uh, would would feed it. And L.A. 
in the 30s and, and the 20s, they, they began to steal the water from up north to, to feed the city, basically. And they diverted most of the water from that the snowpack and the snowmelt from the mountains that would go down there to Mono Lake in the desert. And when they did that, that lake is stale. That lake is nothing. It, is, it, it, it doesn't have a good source coming into it. And matter of fact, that lake is, is not, not good for anything but small brine shrimp. That's the only thing that can live in that lake because it's, it's just full of salt and there's nothing to it. And God would say this to us. We don't need to be stale. We need to be alive. We need to be moving. Amen. So here's the next portion of that scripture. It says this, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So we went from walking, we went from standing, and now we go to sitting. Do you see the sequence here? Do you see the sequence that's happening and this is what happens to us perpetually. We start, we start listening to counsel. We may be walking. Next thing we know, we're standing with sinners. Next thing we know, we're sitting with scoffers and mockers. From walking with the counsel of the wicked to standing with sinners to sitting with scoffers. Finding yourself in the company of those who dismiss the things of God and even mock them. Well, that can't be true, they say, or... Or the Bible isn't true. Or if, if God was so sovereign, he wouldn't allow bad things to happen to, to people. And they mock the word of God. And they mock the character of God, not realizing that God loves them and has made a way for them in this fallen world. And that sin, that sin is, is the reason that this world has fallen, but Jesus Christ has made a way for them. I'm going to give you a perfect example today of someone who walked, who stood, and found himself sitting, uh, and it can and it, and listen. Here's the thing: we can't be so arrogant as as believers in Christ to say that this could never happen to us. So, when Jesus was going to uh, uh, to go to trial, you know, Christ released his disciples, and 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 you remember the story. Peter, he was so determined to stay with Jesus through, throughout this moment when he was going to trial. And he found himself, check this out, he found himself following Jesus from afar. So Jesus is being escorted by, by, the, by the Roman soldiers as they're taking him to go be put on trial. And behind those Roman soldiers are people that are, are, are they want Jesus' head. And so they're, they're basically there chanting. And where does Peter find himself? Walking with, with people who, who, who are basically scorning Jesus. And he is walking with the ungodly. And this was the guy who told Jesus, hey, I am with you. I will die with you. But he found himself walking with the ungodly that day. Check this out. Soldiers taking Jesus, the crowd following. And Peter's scripture declares that, that he was walking with the ungodly. The gospel of John declares that as Jesus was being escorted to the palace of, of Caiaphas, Peter stood in the courtyard with the crowd. Do you see what's happening here? He went from walking, uh, walking with those who, who uh, the ungodly. So then he finds himself standing with the very people who are about to put Jesus up on the cross. Interesting, isn't it? And he's standing with sinners, and 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 one of the guys says to him, "There, you're you're one of his followers." In which Peter says, "Nope, not me. It's not me." Right. Well, look at this. In Luke's gospel, it says that he, while he's there standing, he sat down next to a fire. Interesting, right? Super interesting. So he goes from walking to standing 
to sitting. And there he is in the moment while he is there, while he's sitting among the scornful, the young girl looks at him and she says, you, your, your, your language is giving you away. The way you're talking, your accent is giving you away. You're Galilean. I, you, you, you're with him. And, and what does Peter do? He denies Jesus for the third time in that moment. I can't help but think in our lives that sometimes if we aren't careful, if we don't surround ourselves with the right people, if it can happen to Peter who had just walked with Jesus three years of his life, it can happen to you and I. And I've, I've said this statement so many times, but I think it's so true. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Here's the thing. Bad company will corrupt you. Bad company will, will corrupt you. Uh, but, here's, but you'll go from a follower of Christ to blending in with the crowd. That's exactly what Peter did that day. He had just told Jesus, hey, I will fight, I will stay with you till the death. And there he is in that moment just blending in with the crowd. Look at this, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Here's the good news. Everyone say, his delight is in the law of the Lord. So, again, the contrast is strong between the way of the wicked and the blessed person. Do you, do you see the contrast here? So a wicked person, they walk with the ungodly, they stand with sinners, and they sit with the scornful. But here, here's the person uh, that, that, is, that is blessed, the someone, someone that has a relationship with Jesus Christ, is their delight, uh, their delight is in the Lord. The language here is important. Look at this. Blessed is the one who delights in the law, in the law of the Lord. Law means this. It means instructions instruction. So in the law, not under the law, right? In the law, not under the law. Uh, as believers in Christ, we are not under the law. So what do you mean by that? Man, I, I, I mean, going through Paul's, Paul's writings in Galatians and Paul's writing in Ephesians and, and that we've went through, you know, if there's anything that you can get from that is we, uh, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He set us up. Look at this. Romans 8.28 says this. So we are made, I like the NLT, it says this. Uh, uh, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. What was the purpose of the law? To point to Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. When I take the law, when I take the Ten Commandments, when I take Scripture, even the Jews couldn't even keep that. When I put that up against my life, my righteousness is as filthy rags. Because there's, there's things on the Ten Commandments that I have broken and you have too. Why Paul would later write in Romans 6.23... All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? So, so we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, not by rules and regulations, but, uh, but we can glean principles and precepts and see pictures of our Lord Jesus Christ when we look at the law. So I, I want to show you something. The law always points to Jesus Christ because guess what? It, it shows my need for a Savior, that's what it's designed to do. That's why the law was given, to point everyone to Jesus Christ. Desire here in this, I like this, uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So um, uh, desire here, I think in the King James Version, in the Hebrew means to acquire something that is valuable, such as silver or gold. So my desire is to know the Lord. Amen. So look at this. 
next portion of scripture says, and on his law, he meditates day and night. The ESV here says on the law, the King James Version actually says in his law, which I believe is rendered a little bit more properly in this instance. But the Hebrew word for meditate means to mutter or to mumble or to speak to yourself. Anybody go around the house speaking, mumbling, and muttering to yourself? All right. I see people pointing at people. I see people like, that's me, right? Uh, anybody have a good conversation with yourself sometimes while you're driving? You don't look as crazy now because there's Bluetooth, it, you know, in most cars. So most people just think you're on the phone. But before that, people would look at you and you'd just be talking, have a whole conversation. But the Hebrew word, listen, the Hebrew word meditate means to, to mutter or to mumble or to speak to yourself. And it could also be rendered to this, to chew on the cud. Anybody seen a cow chew on the cud? Right? It's what they do. They, uh, uh, much like a, chow, a cow chews on the cud over and over. Cows have four stomachs. I'm going to give you a little bit of a biological uh, thing. Uh, you know, not that I'm an expert, but cows have four stomachs. And you know what they do? They eat grass. They, they swallow it in their stomach. It gets partially digested. They, they regurgitate it. They chew on it. They go down to the second stomach. They do this perpetually four times. And the reason that they do this is so they can pull every bit of nutrient out of what they ate. So what's the lesson here? What's the application here? As a believer, when I know the word of God, when it comes into me, I am to mutter. I am to chew the cud. I am to pull every bit of nutrient out of the word of God so I can be blessed. I know that's weird. And that's a weird thing to speak on. You can say, oh, that's so, that's so weird. But it is so true in our lives to chew on or to speak to oneself is to pull an inexhaustible supply of wisdom, direction, and guidance for your life. Need direction in your life? Hold the word of God over your life. Mumble the word of God as you go through the house, and people will be like, kids will be like, what's going on with dad? I mean, he's just mumbling the word of God over there. The key to a blessed life is being grounded in the word and on the word of God. Psalm 119.11 says this. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You're dealing with the sin, put the word of God in your heart, and it will help you to stop sinning. I know that's not popular, but that's true. In other words, to keep from walking with wicked and standing with sinners and sitting with the scornful is simply having the word of God in your hearts. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Oh, that's too elementary, TJ. It's too powerful. It, no, that is it. Here's the result of, of the word of God in our heart. Verse 3, it says this. He is like a tree, talking about the person that has the word of God. In our, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. All that he does... He what? He what? He what? Oh, come on. He what? How do you prosper? With the word of God in your heart. This is so simple, but it's so relevant and it's so true. 
the image here or a simile is, is if you can imagine a, a desert palm uh, next to a water source. I can in California because I, I, I can tell you there's not a lot of water, but I could see a palm tree next to a water source just growing and doing what it's supposed to do because it's next to a good source. Even though it's hot and even though, uh, uh, it, 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 even though it, it shouldn't be existing, it's next to the water and the nutrients are there and it can withstand the heat. I don't care what the world throws at you. If you're grounded in the word of God, if your source is right, you will stand when times get tough. Why are so many Christians withering away? They've lost their source. They've lost their wellspring. The living water living in you. If you choose to be one who delights in the word, one who meditates on the Lord, uh, there there will be times in your life where you are where you're especially prolific and productive with fruit. It's just what happens when the word of God is in. There's times where where you'll just be producing all kinds of, of godly fruit. And, and I might say this. I think this is I think I have this later on in there. I'm going to jump ahead of myself. When you produce fruit in your life, when you produce good fruit in your life, it's not for you. It's for those around you. I've never seen a tree that an apple tree create an apple that it ate. Just saying, <laughs> that goes back to love God, love others. So when you're producing fruit, you're doing a good thing. You're helping somebody else. So what what is fruit? What is fruit? I'm going to give you five things. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. Five things that are fruit in our lives. Look at this. Uh, first one is this: souls. Souls. Romans one thirteen. Uh, Paul alludes to a harvest of souls. That is the fruit that can come forth from a life that is grounded in the word of God. People will look at your life. They see, man, things are going crazy, but here they are standing strong. I want what they have. Souls, as I live my life for God, the fruit from my life should draw people to the love of God. People ought to look at you and say, man, there's just something different about that person. I don't know what it is, but I want it. I got to have it. I was, I was, we, uh, is, it, is it all right if I, if I, if I tell your, your story a little bit? I, I don't want to be, but uh, Cecilia and, and Jeff, you know, at one point, is it okay? Is it all right? Well, at one point, Jeff didn't want to have anything to do with church, and Cecilia went to a revival service, and God transformed her, and she came in the door, and Jeff at that point was like, what's different about you? I don't like it. And he like that was just his case, okay. Uh, and if I'm telling this wrong, you tell me if I'm telling this right. Because I just had I, we had dinner with them the other day, and they they explained they were explaining this. But but there was a point in his life where where he realized, and God began to speak to her and, and to Cecilia and began to tell her things about their life. He, that there's a, a, a few series of events of things that were going to happen, and God told her, "Hey, this is what's about to happen in your life." And she began to tell that to Jeff. And when that series of things began to happen in her life, Jeff finally came around. He's a little hard-headed. He finally came around. He finally came around and said, Cecilia, I want what you have. It's fruit, the fruit, the fruit that we give. Looks, looks at this. Here's the second fruit that we have is this, good works. Oh, TJ, you always talk about good works. No, that won't get you into heaven, but it's something that should be produced out of, a, out of a living person that has a, a walk with Christ. Look at this. Colossians 1.10 says this. 
uh, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That means when you're saved, when you listen, those works won't get you to heaven, but those works ought to come out of you when you have Jesus Christ in your heart. Those deeds ought to come out of you when you, when you you ought to just love on people. This is a byproduct of living out the word of God in your life. When someone orders a Big Mac, you're there to help with the fries. Are you, are you following me? You following me? You guys with me? I'm hungry tonight. I don't know why I keep talking about McDonald's. I, <laughs> Here's the next fruit. Everyone say Thanksgiving. There's another fruit that comes from us. Look at this. Hebrews 13, 15 says this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Another fruit that comes from our life. We don't just take a moment uh, in church to fill time to do worship. You know why we do that? We come in to give God thanks, to, to show, to magnify his name, to exalt his name, to lift him up, to glorify him. And here's the thing. As I get into the word, the fruit of praise and worship will just start to come out of my mouth. I, I, I want to say this. It, I thought about this uh, as I was studying this uh, earlier today, and and this 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 like I was like this is a reality to me that I just hit to me. And oftentimes, some people say, Ah, I don't like to I don't like to worship out loud. But check this out: the fruit of your lips that means it's something's coming out. That means there's a noise coming out. There's a cry coming out. And so look at this. Psalms 34, 1 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Two points there. That point that when I worship the Lord, I ought to be audible in it. Oh, but that's not my personality. Oh, God can change you. Think about the goodness of God. And it's a fruit that is produced naturally as you just abide in him. The streams of living water begin to just flow out of you. Uh, and, and here's the thing. You put away ungodly things and you sink your roots into the soil of the scripture. And those praises just come out of you naturally. Uh, you've heard me talk about my, my father. When I get in the car with him and we just have a low moment or whatever, we're just not talking for just a second. He just out of nowhere, he'll be like, thank you, Jesus. And I'll be like, oh, And you know what? I love that because you know what that is? That's the fruit of his lips. That means that the roots that have went down are producing something. When should you praise? When you don't feel like it. When should you praise? When you do feel like it. You should praise at all times. So here's, here's the next one. Oh, buckle up. Here we go. Here's another fruit that we can do, that we can produce giving. Romans 15, Paul says that the offerings given to him by the Gentiles in Macedonia and, and uh, Achaia would show the love of Christ to those in Jerusalem. He's pleading there to the ones in Macedonia, to those churches, and he said, hey, because you guys have given, we are going to be able to minister to the people of Jerusalem. It's giving in finances, but it's also giving in services as well. Oh, you have me at finances, but... Don't, don't get into my time, Pastor. 
Don't get into my, my time. I, I've got so much i got to do. But here's the thing. This is what I've learned. <laughs> when we begin to produce fruit, it's not for us. It's for someone else. And if we really want to share and spread the love of Jesus, we should produce that fruit. Sometimes, you know, we do it financially. Sometimes we do it with service. But we should be doing it with all of our might. A fruit that comes from being grounded in the word. Look at this. Here's the last one. The last fruit, the fifth one that we produce is this one, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know why there's no law against such things? Because what you just read is the character of Jesus Christ. 100%. That's who Jesus was. And I don't know about you, I want to produce that kind of fruit in my life everywhere that I go. But how do I do that? I have to abide in the word of God. There's something interesting. That the scripture says there, uh, uh, that, that scripture, can you put that scripture back up? Uh, oh, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Everyone say fruit in its season. All right. Just like there's four seasons in California, we didn't have four seasons. Well, we did have four seasons, but spring was like a week and fall was like a week. Okay. It was just this hot most of the year and then a little bit of cold, but that was about it. But, but here in Indiana, we have four seasons. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Here in Indiana, we have four seasons. And here's the thing. Also in our lives, in our spiritual walk with God, sometimes we walk through different seasons. If you've been saved any length of time, you've walked through some seasons in your life. We just have come out of the summer season. And the thing about summer is there's, there's the fruit is plentiful, right? If you have trees, there are, there are peaches growing on trees, and there are apples, and there are cherries being produced, right? When I was growing up, we, we had a, a grove of trees in Missouri, and every, I think it was May and June, man, we had this cherry tree. I don't really like cherries, but we had this cherry tree, and it would produce cherries, tons and tons and tons of cherries because it was the right season for it to do that. And in the summer months of our lives, we, 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 are, we should be producing, and spiritually speaking, here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about in July and June, you know. Whatever, wherever you're at, spiritually, you should be producing at, at a great rate. Now, I said this earlier. When you produce fruit, it's for someone else to enjoy, not you. Oh, I know that's, that's not popular, but hey. That's all right. So sometimes we go through the summer season, right? And then we go into the fall. And here's the thing about fall. Things are starting to die in the fall, right? Look around and we see uh, not everyone. Some people get excited about the fall because it's deer season. I didn't hear any amens, but I know who you are. You said it in, inside, all right? But the fall where things seem to die, even the deer, right? And, and the dead things that, that need to be broken out of our lives are dead, and they start falling off. Because there's times in our lives where we just need some things to just be broken off. That happens in the fall. Anybody ever been in that season where you, you felt like maybe things were falling apart, but God was orchestrating things, and he is just setting you up? Look at this. And then we go into the winter. And winter is a cold season, right? And oftentimes winter is a lot quieter than the other seasons because nobody wants to get out. Nobody wants to get around in the cold, right? And it can seem dark. Days are a little bit 
shorter and, and lonely, as if God is a million miles away spiritually. But, but oftentimes, this season makes you long for the spring. You start thinking about, man, Lord, I remember when I was producing fruit. Sometimes this season can last a week. Sometimes this season can last, I don't know, a month. Sometimes this, this season in our lives can last a year. Some people have been in those, those cases, and, 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 and it's a season uh, that I'm not producing fruit, but I can, here's the thing, in those moments, I'm, I'm not producing fruit, but God begins to bless me in those moments, and he keeps me, and he sustains me, and I learn to trust him in a way that I hadn't before. And then look at this, the spring season where uh, the things that were dead come back to life. How many are excited about the spring, right? How many love the spring when the flowers begin to, to bud and your allergies come back to life? Amen, right? And, and, but here's the thing about the spring. Storms often come during the spring, but they come with a purpose to bring life. And life and, and fruit in our lives once again. So there's new life and there's new budding going on. And the key to all of these seasons is that the tree is sustained because it is into the source that keeps it alive. The source of living water. Amen. Look at this. Joshua 1.8 says this. Uh, uh, it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Where have we heard that word meditate? Just a few verses back for us. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then uh, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The word of God is powerful. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The word of God comes in, mutter that thing. Chew on that thing. God, what can I learn from this? What can I know from this? Verse 4 says this. And I might say this. Despite the season, those uh, that, that you may be in of the Lord, but his, his word will prosper. The key to prosperity for the believer in Christ is simply dwelling in the word of God. That's it. Look at this. Verse 4 says this. Uh, it goes back. We're, we're doing a comparison here. We talked about the blessed. They're going to be. They're going to be rooted in the Word of God. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, for sinners uh, in the congregation of the righteous. So, in in this time frame of Israel, they they would take the wheat and they would take the chaff. And, and they would throw them in their air. They oftentimes, when they're together, they look alike. But how they would separate those is when the wind would blow, they would throw this chaff up in the air, and the wheat had some weightiness to it, right? And it would not go. When the wind would blow, it would just drop down to the floor. But the chaff had no substance to it, and it would just be blown away. Well, some of you know where I'm going with this. And, and it would just be pushed by the wind. And even though they looked alike, one is useful for making bread and one is, is useless. They may be close in proximity, but they are a long ways away in the truth of God. Do you hear what I'm saying today? 
Some are believers. They have a substance. They have a weightiness in their relationship with God. There are those who are being blown away by culture, being blown away by doctrine, you know, uh, heresy doctrine. There are people that are being blown away because they are not grounded in the word of God. Sinners are blown away by the changing winds of culture, uh, and they won't keep company uh, with those who are saved. Look at this. Verse 6 says this, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, uh, but, uh, but the, the way of the wicked will perish. Hey, we're almost done. Praise the Lord, right? All right. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I, I want to show you something. The first word of Psalm 1 is what? Blessed. Everyone say blessed. The first word of this psalm is blessed. The last word is perish. What a contrast. What a contrast. What, what an amazing contrast here. It, it, it's Proverbs 2.8. Look at this. I'm going to show you something. Proverbs, uh, it, it, it's, it's a contrast of two ways of living, two ways of living, okay? Look at this. Proverbs 2.8 says this. The Lord guards the just and faithful ones, okay? And now look at this. Proverbs 4.19 says this. The wicked are in the darkness, and they're stumbling because they cannot see. Speaks of two ways. The Lord will hold you up with his strong right arm, or you'll be stumbling around in the dark. But look at this. So there's two, two things there, but only one way which leads to God. Anybody want to take a guess which one leads to the Lord? Definitely not stumbling around in the darkness. Anybody ever got up in the middle of the night and stumbled around the house? Try to walk through the house or you trip or your wife lovingly puts a, a laundry basket in your way and you think and you trip. Anybody ever stubbed your little toe at night on the on the bed? And you'll you'll speak all kinds of languages when, when you do that, right? Uh, but but stumbling in the dark. Stumbling in the dark. And here's the thing, and, and, and get this in your heart. This is consistent in the Old Testament, and this is consistent in the New Testament. And this is this. Jesus said this in John 14, 6, I am the way. No negotiation. I am the way. The verb know here in, 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 in this verse, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, the, the verb know there in verse 6 refers to not just God's awareness, but to an intimate, personal knowledge, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He knows the way of the righteous. Scripture would tell us that the, the steps of the righteous man are what? Ordered of the Lord. He already knows. I don't know about you, that gets me pumped up. In other words, God is intimately involved with the way of the righteous, but has no connection with the way of the ungodly, except in Psalms 149, uh, 146.9 says this, except in judgment. I want the Lord to know my steps. I want to know him in that way. Say, so, man, this is such a pointed word. Yeah, uh, Psalm kind of comes out swinging right here. It reminds me of something that, that, that we would hear uh, Jesus say, choose this day who you will serve. 
I pray that he, uh, that he knows your way. I pray that you're standing right before him. I, I really do. I, I pray tonight. I, and I, I don't know that. If, if that may be you, that may not be you. I don't know. But it's, it's amazing to me. This, this, this little six-verse psalm packs a lot of punch. You want to stay out of sin in your life? Don't walk with the ungodly. Don't stand with the sinner. Don't sit with the scornful. Kentley, can you help me out, buddy? I, I mean, I'm, I, he didn't know I was doing this. I'm throwing him under the bus here, but that's all right. Um, I want to do something tonight. One thing about this psalm, and it, was, it, it reminded me, it reminded me, sometimes, anybody a little hard-headed in here? I, I, Tristan, raise your hand. No. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, all right? I'm reminded, I'm reminded when I was reading this, sometimes I need a gentle push from the Lord. Sometimes I just need a simple little push from the Lord to help me and to remind me. There's times in my life where I thought I was a grounded tree next to a water source, and the and the waves and the and, uh, uh, of life begin to flow, the winds of life begin to flow, or the heat of the sun begin to flow, and uh, and I just I just felt like that I couldn't contain or couldn't do anything else. But it amazes me that in those moments, when I was struggling, the Holy Spirit would come upon me and remind me of something I learned in maybe Sunday school, a word that. A word of scripture that my teacher may have had me memorize or may have had me say. Um, it, it, and so I, I was thinking about this. So it, it, it amazes me. There's, there's two ways, and I said that earlier. The, lar, the Lord guards the just and the faithful ones. In Proverbs 14 or 419 says, wicked, the wicked, they, they, they're in darkness and they stumble around because they cannot see. And there's two ways. And tonight, I just want to remind you, there's, there's only one way that leads to God. 